Get ready. Three, two, one, zero. You are listening to the Fantasy Joe's Podcast. Fantasy Joe's Podcast. Your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on dynasty. And now, here are your hosts, Ryan Livergood, Trey Barrett, and Will Greenwood. That's right. We are the Fantasy Joes. Joining me this evening, as always, we've got Trey Barrett and Will Greenwood. And gentlemen, I've got to ask, have you guys ever punched somebody at an Ohio resort like Kareem Hunt just did? I've never been to an Ohio resort, nor do I ever plan to go to one. I didn't even know they had resorts in Ohio until I saw the story, guys. Oh. I, almost re- I almost replied to you. It's horrible. <laughs> you hanging terrible. out by the river in Cleveland or something? Jeez. That'll, that'll do it to anybody. Uh, Trey, what about you? Have you ever uh, taken, a, taken a shot at a guy, swing at a guy at a resort or a hotel? Holiday no, Inn. But it, no, but it's on my bucket list, and so I'm super curious to find out how it works out for Kareem Hunt. So I'll, I'll be waiting by Twitter to uh, see some details come out on this. Yeah, it's interesting. So this is like the second like, off-field incident he's had uh, since the, the 2018 season ended. You get, you, I, so I, I posted on Twitter the other day, like, buying opportunity, question mark? And it probably is. I mean, I'm not overly worried about this behavior. It's not like he uh, was accused of sexual assault or anything like that, um, as, as far as I know. Uh, so are you guys going after Cream Hunt, putting out some offers, or just you kind of feel the same about him? I'm staying pat for now. <laughs> I have him in one place, and I would move him for a decent deal. Actually, the first one I think was domestic violence, wasn't it? So he could be, he could, he could be in some trouble here pretty soon. If, if it's, if they see a trend of behavior, I think the NFL will crack down on him. So they've been doing that. Uh, and two, they, they, they're, they're really going to have to question this Ohio resort. One, if you type in Ohio resort on Google, you get zero results. So <laughs> <laughs> very shady. Uh, Trey. Well, yeah, I was just going to say, I, I mean, here's my concern. I would probably not be selling and I would not be buying. I would just be waiting and see what, because here's the deal. I mean, and, and I, I'm, I'm not trying to be insensitive, but you know, you remember back to the Ray Rice incident and the video came out of him, you know, striking his wife at the time, I think her fiance. So, you know, if, if footage surfaces, whether it's a male or female, but especially if it was a female, and I don't know if there's been, any recognition? I just, I mean, I, while Ryan, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm not really worried about this. You know, information could leak in the next week or even sooner that could autom- all of a sudden make it a huge deal. So I probably wouldn't be sending out any offers to buy them because if something surfaces and it ends up being a big deal, um, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs have Spencer Ware there, and uh, while I do love what Kareem Hunt did last year, I mean. I think what it would take to get him in a trade right now, I'd probably just kind of sit. But but at the same time, I'm not selling him at a discount. Right. And, well, Spencer Ware isn't practicing yet, is he? Like, there's some other issues going on there too. Yeah, yeah. As- I mean, there is some um, speculation whether he is going to be back to start the year. Uh, in that incident, it's funny how soon we forget things. It, he did. He was accused of shoving a, a 19-year-old woman in downtown Cleveland in, in February. So. Uh, which an incident that occurred at 3.45 a.m. on Saturday morning. Nothing good ever happens for NFL players at 3.45 a.m. on Saturday morning when they're out in downtown Cleveland, okay? so Yeah, he's probably staying at that same resort. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, let's move on. Enough about Kareem Hunt. Hopefully we won't talk about him for a while other than, like, good things that he looks amazing heading into the uh, 2018 season. 
I, so I, I hope that we're, we're, um, and we're wrong about a guy like Spencer Ware that, that we hope comes back and, and is looking good. And that kind of leads us. That's a very awkward se- segue. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it's, it's, it, we hope it's not true about Kareem Hunt. We do. We do hope it's not true. I mean, that's, that's not good. It's not good for the NFL when, uh, you, you hear this negative news because, you know, I would argue that the vast majority of NFL players, they're doing amazing things for their communities, giving back. And, and we only, only hear the bad stories, the negative stories, which is, which is unfortunate. We don't hear enough of the positive stuff because that doesn't um, get, get clicks on, on, on the internet, right? Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to talk about guys we're, we hope we're on about this year. Guys that you know, maybe they're getting a lot of hype. You're, you're hearing things. People are talking them up. And, and we're concerned that, oh, maybe that's going to happen for these guys. These are players that we really like, but maybe – their projections for 2018 are, are, are not as realistic as, as what, what we believe. So that's, that was, so we're going to talk about guys. We, we hope we're, we're, we're not, not right about um, in terms of our predictions. So Will Greenwood, do you want to go first? Who's your first guy that you, that you hope that, um, that, that your opinion on him is, is, is inaccurate. It's, it's going to be a little bit of a long one. So uh, maybe, maybe buckle up a little bit because the first guy I'm going to talk about is Juju Smith Schuster. And, He's a guy that you just see, I, I, I shouldn't say often, but occasionally see ranked in people's top 12. So WR1 in, in Dynasty. And so I want, you know, and I want to root for this guy and I want to want him, but he's, uh, I want to be wrong in the sense that I think he's vastly, vastly overpriced because he's the WR2 on an offense where Antonio Brown won't be going for the foreseeable future. And then the quarter, there's quarterback question marks after that. And so I just was kind of looking back to see if his season last year, if it was like, an outlier just for the Steelers in general as a team. So I'm going to start here. So in 2010, their wide receiver two is Heinz Ward. He had uh, 59 catches for 755 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, The next year was Antonio Brown's breakout, and he went for 69 catches, 1,100 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Mike Wallace was the alpha both of those years and was really starting to ascend. But then the next year, you have Heath Miller, was their their number two pass catcher on the team. Uh, And then, then... Antonio Brown's actually the third pass catcher because he had a little bit of injury issues that year, I believe. Uh, but anyway, the, the the long and short of it is there, you're not seeing this, this massive, massive production all the time out of the wide receiver two on the team. Uh, in 2013, it was Emmanuel Sanders. He was the secondary pass catcher for 740 and 6. Uh, and then 2014, it was Le'Veon Bell was the second pass catcher. And the next wide, wide receiver was Marcus Wheaton, and he was the fourth overall. So they actually had Heath it went, uh, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, Heath Miller, Marcus Wheaton. So And he had, you know, 53 catches and two touchdowns, 644 yards. But anyway, uh, in 2015, you had Marty B exploded onto the scene. He got the same kind of hype train going on. I feel that what we had with Juju Smith-Schuster before he got in trouble. And he had 50 catches, 765 yards and six touchdowns. And then 2016, you have Bell being the second pass catcher. And then the next the next wide receiver was Eli Rogers. Uh, so again, you're not having this like this great track record within the organization of what the wide receiver two is doing on the team overall. Uh, that was your Eli Rogers had a little bit, had a few good games. And that was uh, Coates supposed breakout who had 21 catches for 435 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, imagine how high Coates was going at the end, at the end of 2016 or in the mid there, what you're trading for. So that brings me to Juju's year last year who had a great year and actually better. You know, each time I look at his stats, I feel like I always forget what had exactly happened because he had 58 catches for 917 yards and seven touchdowns. Uh, and that was only in 13 games played because he had that one suspension for the hit on Perfect, and he wasn't active, I think, at the beginning of the year, if I'm correct. There was something in there. Anyway, uh, so if you, if you take that, that's a huge stat line. I mean, they, those are monster numbers. My concern is that they added 
James Washington in the second round. So they're, they're spending pretty high draft capital on another pass catcher. The tight end, Vance McDonald's, was new to the team last year as of training camp. So you kind of have that Sammy, uh, Sammy Watkins type of deal where he's just getting into the offense, kind of learning what to do and what they're doing. Uh, they added Jalen Samuels, which I don't, I, I don't really care about because it's so much later in the draft. But at the end of the day, they're adding all these weapons, and they have, they don't, their their second pass catcher on the team has not been heavily dominant and consistent over the years. So it's a little bit of a let's, let's say the narrative going along that lines, and that's just it makes it really hard for me to believe in his future and to put him in what I would call, like what I call like my top twelve dynasty receivers. I don't see Juju Smith-Schuster having the alpha dog appeal of what you want with one of those top ten guys. And the last thing, I'll, the the thing I'll do is just because I like to do it. It's not always the best practice, but extrapolating stats because uh, he had he had pretty he had eight pretty bad games last year, especially if you just took away touchdowns because he scored a lot of touchdowns. But anyway, if you took the average of those eight, he would only finish with 590 yards and still have six touchdowns. But if you took his best four, uh, sorry, his best five, and, and extrapolated that, like where he really really like boomed, he would have had nearly 2,000 yards and 13 touchdowns. Uh, so my, the other part is he's been very boom, like he was very boom robust and it depended on whether Antonio Brown was in the game, their wide receiver core was a mess last year. So he got to be able to take advantage of kind of the situation. And at the end of the day, I think he's a really, really good player, but I think you're, you're like, in my opinion, if you're taking him in like the second round of a startup dynasty draft or even like early third, you're paying too much for what he's going to be in the future. All right, so Juju, guy we really love. I mean, great follow on Twitter. Everyone loves Juju. You, you like the the, the man, uh, but but Will, what you're saying is maybe the the player it, it does does not does not live up to the way he's perceived in the dynasty community. So Trey, how do you feel about this? What, what do you think about Will's take on Juju here? Well, I I, I think that I mean I, I see the point, and I'm I'm trying to look and see on the fly here um, where his current ADP is, and um, uh, I'll have to maybe can look at that after I kind of share my tag. So Juju Smith Schuster, I think, is a guy that coming into the NFL last year was vastly underrated by a lot of dynasty owners, and so I think that he was he went a lot lower in rookie drafts and in, in startups than. He really should have been. And I think part of that was because some of the struggles he had his junior year. I mean, this guy put up almost 1,500 yards and 10 touchdowns his sophomore season at USC. His breakout age was 18.8, and, and we know about the correlation, um, some positive correlation between a young breakout age and, and success in the NFL. I think one of the things for me that I have seen people ranking them, ranking him in their um, you know, top 12, top 15. And I'll tell you, the only reason that I don't hate it is multifactorial. One is he's uber talented and you, you can't argue with that. His, he was a first round talent that slid because of cons- some concerns, I think, about his work ethic. And I think potentially was there an injury? Um, I, I know that he slid in the draft into the second round. Um, but for me, Last year, I mean, think about this. He put up the production he did last year. He was only he was fourth in the team in targets behind uh, Antonio Brown, Lev Bell. Martavis Bryant was actually targeted two more times. I, I mean, Juju put up the production he did last year with 79 targets. So the thing for me is that I think that you have a very clear one, two, three now. And I think the opportunity for him to increase that two and three years down the road, I think in the short term, yes, I think that Ben Roethlisberger does have a lot left. Antonio Brown is still going to be around a couple more years. I don't think Lev Bell's probably there 
more than two more seasons. So I think what we're looking at is the guy's 21. So fast forward three years from now, he's only going to be 24 years old. He just put up ridiculous guys that put up the production he does in their rookie seasons as a wide receiver in the NFL. The list of those guys is a pretty impressive list. So I do think long-term that he has, if you're expecting wide receiver one production from him this year or even next year, you probably won't get it. But do I think that if you're looking at a long-term view that he's one of the top 15 wide receivers in Dynasty? I think that you, I think that he is. I think he belongs up there um, for, for the reasons that I think his ceiling is immense. And, and while he probably won't put up top 10 production while Antonio Brown and Lev Bell are in Pittsburgh, you know, I, I love the talent. Um, and you, you mentioned, I mean, the Twitter, like I want him on my teams just so I can celebrate when he just – blows up Twitter. So looking at May ADP, because as of this recording, June ADP is not available from Dynasty League Football. May ADP, he is the 15th ranked wide receiver, uh, ADP of 28 overall on average. So 28 overall, the 15th ranked wide receiver. Uh, Guys around him, guys going just before him, wide receivers. You've got guys like Stephon Diggs, Allen Robinson, uh, and Braden Cooks. Um, after him, you've got guys like Corey Davis, T.Y. Hilton, and Jarvis Landry. So that's where he fits in right now in terms of the ADP. Yeah, and I think he fits right there. I mean, I think that, that you, could, you could make some minor arguments that you might want him above some of the guys ahead of him and that you might want a couple of the guys behind him maybe ahead of him, depending on your preference. But I think that's a good cohort for him. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, every time I see Brandon Cook's name, I always say, want to say Braden Cooks because of the spelling. So I, I always do that <laughs> still. I know it's Brandon <laughs> Cooks. What's my problem? Well, uh, thoughts. So you, you guys both make uh, nice arguments on both sides of, of, uh, of Juju, kind of polarizing guys for the Joes. And I, I'm not really sure what, what I think. I own him in a couple of places. And I don't know he's a guy I want to go out and buy, but I'm excited where I have him. I don't want to sell him. Any, any final thoughts on Juju before we move on? Well, like, would you trade Juju Smith-Schuster for Julio Jones in a situation where you're, you, you have a chance to win now, but you're not, like, an overly powerful team, like, kind of middling? But you could, like, an improvement, like, would if be I were a middle, yeah, if, I, if I were a middling team and I owned Julio, I would want to go out and get a guy like Juju and a piece. I mean, I wouldn't straight, you no, know, the, not, no way, not yeah, straight no up. But, but if, I were, if I felt like I was a contender – I'd give Juju for Julio. I'd give Juju and, you know, a seventh or eighth round startup guy for Julio to go for a title or two titles. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's because I want to be wrong about Juju, but his whole profile from last year to me screams outlier. It just, it, the, the repeatability and how many targets he had for how many yards and his yards per catch and everything he was doing and the way the team was built and what was happening with their wide receiver core. To, and again, that's it's so much speculation, but I also figure I also feel like it's a lot to say that a change in the dynamic in that team. I mean, they took James Washington uh, at the two the two point two eight this year, and they took Juju last year at the two point three. I mean, it's a different draft, it's a different year, but like they're clearly still investing in that wide receiver core because they didn't think it was complete with what they had, and that's just a and it's just a, at the end of the day, it's what I, what I'm feeling and what I'm seeing with the team, and I, I you know. It, I, I just hope I'm wrong. I hope he becomes a super big stud because he seems like a good dude. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Just real quick, Ryan. I think that's probably where we're on the same page, Ryan. Like, I, I don't know, you know, the efficient, he, he was very efficient with those targets. 
Um, so I, I do, like I said, I do think that people that expect that same production in 2018 could be disappointed. But I think long term, although, you know, Martavis Bryant's 81 targets have been vacated and I just don't see James Washington, you know, demanding that kind of target. So it wouldn't surprise me for, for uh, Juju to get an extra 20 targets and, and hit that 100 target range so that he could maybe lose a little efficiency but still have the same production. He'll be fun to watch. He's a guy I'm cheering for. I hope you're wrong on him too. Yeah. And it's like, it's, but I think I see eye to eye with you, with your points, Dre. I'm not like, I don't disagree with them. I don't think they're wrong. This is just where I, what I'm looking at and why I can't just, I just can't take, I just can't buy him at that price at the moment. Yeah. No, I get it. I, I, I see your side as well. And that's what makes Tennessee so fun because there are so many different ways to look at players and their values. And another guy um, that we're going to look at that, that I think we, we, we like, but maybe his value has gotten a little out of control, Trey. So who's, who's your guy? A guy that you hope you're completely wrong about. Yeah, and this is a guy that I've really historically liked and, and been a big fan of. And, and I will have to say that his value right now, he's currently in the same DLF May ADP that you referenced, currently going as the 25th pick. He's a 24-year-old wide receiver for your Chicago Bears, Ryan. And yes. I, hope, I hope that I'm wrong about Allen Robinson. And, Me and too. Here, here's my concerns about Allen Robinson. I'm not saying that Allen Robinson is not a good football player, and I'm not saying that I don't want him on my dynasty teams. What I'm saying is that if you, if you rewind a year back, Allen Robinson was going at the very beginning of the second round. In May 2017 ADP, he strangely, right behind DeAndre Hopkins, was, he was going at the turn. So Allen Robinson was the 201 in dynasty startups. And I, I think that with all of the hype surrounding him, even though there's been this renaissance of running backs, I think by the time that the 2018 season kicks off, he's probably going to move himself right up into the end of that second round range. And I just think that's early for him. And here's why. My concern with Allen Robinson is if you look back, he had two years of uh, basically full seasons played. His, his rookie season, um, he, I think, was targeted maybe like 81 times. And then last year, of course, was cut short where he played, you know, less than a game and uh, two seasons in Jacksonville he played. And those two seasons were remarkably different except for one stat. And that was targets. He received the same amount of targets in the two seasons, full seasons that he played in Jacksonville. And that number is 151. Okay. 151 targets. I remember back when I was just getting back into fantasy football on the, fantasy footballer shout out to Andy Mike and Jason we're talking about Allen Robinson being a target hog and they wanted him on their team because he was being targeted immensely 151 targets in back-to-back seasons one year he put up 80 catches for 1400 yards and 14 touchdowns a very well documented phenomenal monster year well, the following season he he only caught seven less balls 73 catches for 883 yards and six touchdowns and here's my concern with Allen Robinson if you look at Matt Nagy, and I know that he wasn't directly the play caller for the last two years he was in Kansas City, but he obviously was the offensive coordinator, and a big part of who he is is what was going on there in Kansas City. And he's even said he wants to do a lot of the same things they did in Kansas City. Well, if you look back over those two seasons, the, the, the guy that led the team in targets each of those two seasons was 117 targets in 2016 and 122 in 2017. Year t- uh, the second leading target um the second guy in targets for each season was 
83 in 2016 and 105 in 2017. And I just look at Chicago and I look at the weapons. I understand that, you know, in Kansas City, they had Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, Kareem Hunt caught some passes. But other than that, they really didn't have anyone. So you could argue while maybe Chicago doesn't have a number two receiving target that's quite as elite as a Kelsey Hill combo. I think you could argue that their three and four receivers coming into this year could potentially be better from an NFL perspective, not necessarily for fantasy, but from an NFL perspective, guys like Taylor Gabriel, guys like Tariq Cohen, who I think are going to be utilized heavily in the passing game. So my concern for Allen Robinson is not that he's not good and it's not that he can't produce and potentially have some wide receiver one seasons, but I just don't see him being this alpha wide receiver one that's going to be hyper, hyper targeted. And, and again, all of this surrounding a, a second year quarterback that to this point has seven touchdown passes in the NFL and also seven interceptions. And I know there's a lot of excitement around Matt Nagy. I know there's a lot of hope around Mitch Trubisky. I like Mitch Trubisky. I like Allen Robinson. I'm just, you know, maybe that uh, 73 catches for 883 and six is a little closer to what we can expect, especially if you, you know, that 151 targets drops down closer to that 120 number we've seen under Nagy the past couple of years. So those, those are some of my concerns with, with Robinson. And Trey, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the, wasn't it Travis Kelsey that was the, the guy that got the most targets for the Kansas City offense? He was. And, and you know, it's, I completely forgot to mention Trey Burton, who's another weapon in that offense, who I think is going to be a candidate. I don't think Trey Burton's going to lead. Allen Robinson should lead that team in targets without question. My concern is just that it's not going to be 151 like it was in Jacksonville. And, and that's where my, the biggest, my biggest struggle is just – not seeing him get that. I think they're going to spread the ball around. And I think that Chicago's got a decent defense. Correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, but yeah. I think that the formula for them to win is going to be play defense, be smart with the football. And Allen Robinson is a down the field, throw it down. I mean, his, his yards per catch is, is in the upper 10 to 15% of the league if he's performing um, at his peak. So I just don't know that um, I think some of the underneath passes, I think guys like Burton, and Tariq Cohen, and, and um, even um, total blank on the um, Anthony Miller that they brought in, I think that will likely end up being in the slot. I think that there's a lot of targets that are going to be spread around, and he's just not. I, I think it would he'd be hard-pressed to exceed 120 targets this year in that offense. Yeah, well, what do you think about Allen Robinson? Do you agree with that assessment? I'm pretty high on Allen Robinson. And I think that – but he's, he's the case where it's easy to make an argument for or against – I could see him easily being an alpha dog in that offense and being targeted in places where he he's the he's the safety blanket. He's the comfort zone for Mitch Trubisky and what they're trying to do there. And there's a more creative offense now. It's not the John Fox offense where things are just terrible all the time. You know, where you have a guy who's not who's throwing less than double digit uh, passes during a game. And so it's going to change. And I think he's a, you know, for me it is it is a little high because uh, he is right before like Juju and guys like that, but. I'm still really high on Allen Robinson. I think his, if you look at his catchable uh, targets that he had, it's significantly less than what he was bringing down. And uh, I think that matters. Like Blake Bortles was horrible in targeting him. And he, you know, the, the same amount of targets year over year, uh, it, it definitely there was regression. But you knew that was going to happen because he had th- such a big breakout year. The, oh man, now I'm going to miss what podcast said it. And I didn't, I didn't look it up before beforehand, but uh the amount of receivers that have gone for like, you know, over a thousand yards and over double digit touchdowns, the chances of them repeating is really high. 
uh, and these guys are all become like studs. There's only a couple outliers. So based on a little bit of history, I think that he can return to form, and I think that he can be the alpha dog that, you know, he could be that Alshon Jeffrey for the team, just to put a, the same uniform on a different person and be that, that person, be the guy who's, you know, bringing down 10 touchdowns. I don't see him, like, going super high over 1,000 yards, uh, especially in year one. You might have to be a little bit patient with him, but I, I think it's a good value right now. I think his, his skill level, his talent, he was that first receiver coming out of uh, Penn State that put them on the map, and he's also the most athletic and the, the best you know, height-wise and burst-wise and everything. So I'm still really high on Allen Robinson, and uh, I hope you're wrong too, Trey. Yeah, I, I guess I'll, I'll be, give a boring take and be kind of somewhere in the middle because I, I think he's fairly valued. I don't think he's going to ascend to be this top three or five you know, wide receiver this year or next year. But I think he's going to be really good. And I, th- I don't think we can understate how much that Bears offense should improve. It's almost impossible for them to be worse. It wasn't just John Fox. I point my fingers at Dowell Loggins, who is the offensive coordinator at Miami. And fortunately <laughs> for the Miami Dolphins, it'll be Adam Gase that'll be uh, still calling the plays, and it won't be Dowell Loggins. I don't know what he's going to be doing. Uh, you know, Hopefully not ruining careers of Miami Dolphins offensive players like he did for Chicago. So the, the, they had no offensive uh, skill weapons other than guys they didn't know how to use. I, I mean, Dow Loggins famously made a quote, I'm paraphrasing, when they talked about Tariq Cohen, and, and he said, well, now they're double-teaming Tariq Cohen, so we're going to take him off the field for more plays because they know what we're trying to do. Um, you know, th- this guy has no <laughs> imagination. So, but, I mean, even if the Bears are just, you know, marginally better, like a middle-of-the-pack pack offense, and I think they can be because they have the weapons and they've got – um, the, the offensive minds to do it now, the coaching to do it. I, I think that Robinson's going to have a, a very solid year. I think Mitch Trubisky is going to be very solid. So I think he's priced really where he should be uh, because I think, you know, maybe, you know, my expectations for him this year, uh, low end wide receiver one, high end wide receiver two. So I think it just depends on what people are thinking because, you know, because maybe people are expecting Alan Robinson to to repeat that amazing year he had. I mean, how many years ago was that now? Was that three years ago? So I, I think he's kind of where he should be, in my opinion. But, but I like the, the, the alternative views you guys provided. Yeah, and I think one actionable item for our listeners is to watch Allen Robinson because I think that there's a greater likelihood that Allen Robinson finishes closer to wide receiver 18 to 20 than he does wide receiver 12 to 14. So I think that there could be a potential to buy Allen Robinson in a dynasty sense um, because I think his value could slip throughout the year uh, for, you know, all the reasons I mentioned. Again, like I said, I like Allen Robinson as a talent, and I think long-term he could still have some potential. But, you know, it's a brand-new team. I think it's very well documented, the struggles of wide receivers that have changed teams. But I, I don't – again, that's a narrative street thing that I don't necessarily – that doesn't necessarily just apply – across the board. But I think that Allen Robinson could be a buy throughout this year. Cause I do think that the likelihood is, is that he's lower down that wide receiver two um, production as far as 2018 and redraft. He's not a guy that I'd want to touch in the top 15 wide receiver, maybe, maybe not even in the top 18 or 20 wide receivers in PPR, I should say. <laughs> I'm definitely lower on him in a redraft than I am in dynasty. I think you got to give him a year to acclimate to, to that situation. So guys, I'm 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 I hate to do this because I, I imagine some of our listeners they're kind of tired of rookie talk, but I do have to bring up a rookie and and it's a rookie tight end. So um, if you want to skip forward uh, this part of the podcast, you can if you want to, but I don't think you should because I did a lot of research on 
rookies coming into the NFL since 2010. And I, I think I uncovered some interesting stuff I want to talk to you guys about. So basically, here's what I hope I'm, I'm wrong about. It's Mike Gesicki, because I don't think he's going to be a tight end one in 2018. And I don't think he's going to be one in 2019 either. I think he potentially could be a really good tight end in this league. Um, and, and I know the arguments for him, right? I mean, the guy is a freak athletically. He had a nice production in college. He's going to a Miami offense where there are going to be a lot of targets, a lot of opportunity. Adam Gase, despite the fact he hired Dow Loggins for some insane reason, the former <laughs> offense according to the Bears, really too. I mean, he's going to be calling the plays. And, you know, the, what, really the one knock on Gesicki coming into the league is that he, he's, he needs to, uh, you know, improve his strength. They're going to jam him off the line. Um, the defenses are going to push him around. You know, if you move that guy around to get him in space, know how to use Mike Gesicki, he's a real big weapon. I mean, the guy can make plays. He's, he's going to be really good in the red zone. Um, so, so I get all of the arguments for him, and especially in this tight end landscape, right? I mean, it, it's, it's horrible. We lost Hunter Henry. It's just, it's just garbage when you look at the, your tight end options. So I get it. I get the excitement about him. However, and you've heard this before, you know, since – 2010 since that 2010 draft class the only rookie tight ends that have finished as tight end ones you've got uh, Gronk of course and then Evan Ingram last year and another argument for him might be well the tight end position is evolving we're using tight ends differently and that's certainly true and I hope I'm wrong about it I really hope he's a tight end one but just looking at the statistics it's it's pretty amazing so going back to since 2010 just two rookies have had tight end one seasons. And really, almost all years, what does a tight end one season look like? In PPR settings, 150 points for the season and about nine fantasy points per game will get you into that tight end one conversation. Another interesting thing looking about the, at these statistics, only six second-year tight end players have cracked that tight end one and then five uh, third-year players. So it, it really is true, you know, because I, I, I wondered going into this, is this a myth that uh, Titans take two, three years to hit? And generally speaking, they do. And th- th- another takeaway, uh, t- two more takeaways with this, then, then I'll s- see what you guys think. Those guys that show up on that list time and time again since 2010, you've got guys like Greg Olson, Antonio Gates, Jimmy Graham, Gronk, Delaney Walker, Jason Witten, Kelsey, Ertz. Those are guys that show up repeatedly on the list so I, I think the guys that show up repeating on the list, I mean, I think we know who those established tight ends are, and I think they they're, can be tremendously valuable in your dynasty league because there are a lot of guys that show up on that list and they just disappear. And, and the other thing is that you look at the list, there's not a lot of sustained fantasy success from tight ends drafted in rounds four or beyond. Um, so you're hearing a lot of excitement about like, oh, Ian Thomas is going to take over for Greg Golson in a couple of years and be amazing or – you know, guys like Dalton Schultz, Tony Fumagalli, Tyra Conklin, you hear buzz about them. But the odds are, looking statistically, since 2010, very, very few of those guys are, are fantasy relevant for beyond a year. So I'd say, you know, pump the brakes a little bit on those guys if you're getting excited about them. Um, put them on your taxi squad or whatever, but don't, don't have high expectations. There are some outliers. You know, if, if Trey Burton does emerge, he was undrafted, I believe, in 2014. You, you, you've got... Um, um, other guys that, that have made appearances um, that were drafted later undrafted, but it's rare. And the final thing I'm going to leave you with, uh, well, well, two things. I'm sorry, I'm going on and on. This, I'm, just, I'm just a blithering mess with this. <laughs> if the second-year tight end does have a tight end one season in 2018, he's a target for me going into 2019 because it's a pretty exclusive group. These are guys, you know, in the, in the, if you want to include Gronk in this list and Evan Ingram, you can. But second-year players that, that, that have hit, second-year second tight ends in the league, you've got Jimmy Graham, 
Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz. And then flying off a little bit, you've got Kyle Rudolph, a guy, Aaron Hernandez, which we know his story, but he was amazing when he played. And if he stayed out of trouble, he could still be playing today. Uh, Richard Rogers, who's the, the, the real outlier. You know, that's the, that's basically the Aaron Rodgers miracle, if you think about it. So if you look at the list, if, if a second-year tight end hits, and, and we're excited about some of these second-year tight ends, aren't we, that haven't hit yet. I, I say 50%, there's a 50% chance that's, that second tight year, second, ugh, let me start over. There's a 50% chance that that <laughs> second-year tight end could be a real nice fantasy asset for you. There's a 17% chance, like Kyle Rudolph, that could be a solid tight end. There's a 17% chance it could be a one-year miracle like Richard Rodgers, or there's a 17% chance it could be a convicted felon like Aaron Hernandez. So, um, so those are my, that's my, my tight end ramblings. Uh, what my, my arguments against Mike Kosicki, although, um, he does have some things going for him and he was drafted in the second round with a 42nd pick, just like Rob Gronkowski. So Trey, I think, I know you disagree with me on this. So wh- why, why do you disagree with me on, on, uh, Gesicki? So here's the thing, Ryan. Actually, believe it or not, I don't disagree with you, okay? I think that the likelihood, if I were a betting man and I had to put money tonight on whether I thought Mike Kosicki would be a tight end one next season, the money would be going on no. Year two, the money would probably still be going on no. However, I do think that he has the potential to be one of those outlier kind of guys. Evan Ingram last year, for example, even though the, the, the position in MFL or whatever forum that you're playing your fantasy football in next to his name says TE, and that's where you're clicking submit for positionally, he's a wide receiver. And in, as far as the way he's incorporated in the offense, he's a wide receiver. I'm convinced that Adam Gaze sees something in Mike Gesicki. And if you look, if you haven't done it, go to player profiler, guys, and look at his 40 score, his speed score, his burst score, because they're all within – three or four percentile of Saquon Barkley. This guy is an athletic freak. Adam Gase took him in the NFL draft. He went before Carrion Johnson, Dante Pettis, Christian Kirk, Anthony Miller. He went before Darius Geis. He went before James Washington, DJ Chark. I mean, they spent the 10th pick in the second round on this guy. There's over 200 targets that have been vacated in that Miami offense with Jarvis Landry leaving town and Julius Thomas. Uh, the previous tight end last year there. So the targets are there. I think that they're going to utilize his athleticism. I think they're going to scheme him open. I still have faith in Adam Gaze. I still believe Ryan Tannehill. I think Mike Gusecki is a great option to fill that middle of the field. I know that they brought in um, Danny Amendola. I know that they brought in, um, oh, forgive me. Who's the guy from? Albert Wilson. Albert Wilson from Kansas City. So I I know that those targets are going to go to some other players as well. But I think that there is a possibility because of his, his athleticism, I think he can be a tremendous mismatch in the NFL. So, again, I agree with your take, but I think I, I do see a world, as you mentioned, it doesn't take a lot to be a tight end one. I'm really excited to watch Mike Gesicki in 2018 and see how he performs, but I do think you're right. I don't think he'll be a tight end one next year. But I hope that you're wrong. Yeah, and me too. And me too, because we need some tight end ones. I mean, who's going to do it? I mean, who's going to reach that threshold? It's a pretty low bar, right? 150 fantasy points in PPR leagues and, and nine points a game, it seems like it's a low threshold. 
So, you know, the other thing that I think makes him more likely to be a tight end one in 2019 is that some of those guys that you mentioned, Ryan, you know, Gronk, Olsen, Graham, Walker. I mean, I think there's a good possibility that the, the four of those guys could be tight end ones in 2018. But, I mean, are, are three of those four guys – I mean, are, are any of those four guys going to be playing in tight end ones again in 2019? So, I think not, not only is there a big changing of the guard happening at the tight end position – in dynasty, but even in a redraft mindset, you know, some of these guys that are kind of locks to be up in that top 12 or 15, if they don't get hurt, I, I think have such limited years left. So that there's a real door opening for some of these young tight ends to continue to produce. So it'll be fun to watch. He's, a, he's, he's quite an athlete, quite a specimen. Yeah, you're right. Like, you know, obviously we lost one with Jason Witten who consistently was a, a tight end one. I mean, not necessarily a top tier, but he was always in the conversation it seems. So yeah, no, it was really interesting looking at the tight ends and just how few of them really, really make it. And the ones that do are, are real valuable, which we know, but um, it, it just was, it was fun looking at those statistics. Will, what do you, what do you think about uh, Gasicki? You think he could be a tight end one this year? I don't know. I don't think any player on the Dolphins will end with a one at the end of their <laughs> rankings. So no, not, I mean, I just don't think there's a, there's a real chance for that, for him to do that in that offense. I don't, I, Honestly, until the Dolphins like change up what they're doing in that regime, I think I'm pretty far out on that on that team as a whole, unless it's a really big value. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Okay, well, thank you for indulging me to go down the that tight end road that we went down. So l- let's let's come back. Let's come back to <laughs> tight end road. <laughs> take me home. Let, let's come back to more relevant fantasy discussion. Although we've got to talk about tight ends because most leagues you, you're starting one. Some leagues it's tight end premium, and there are very few of them to plug in and play. So it's an important position to talk about. But Will, you're, you're up again. Um, who is another guy that you you just really hope you're wrong about because you really like him? And I and, and, and like Mike Sick, I didn't say it, but I, I love him. He just seems like a cool cool guy. You know, seeing his interviews at the combine and. Uh, just the fact he's this athletic freak. I mean, I, I, in, the, in Miami, they need something to cheer about because the, the, that Dolphins team has been garbage for for years. They had that one year. I think they won the AFC East when when Brady went down, and it was at Matt Castle that took over for him. Um, but other than that, it's man, it's it's been bad. So I, I hope I hope he's good for the, the Dolphins fans that are listening. Uh, but Will, who's your next guy? Uh, so the next one on the list, I'm actually just going to skip one because I didn't look up enough information to give a, a con- concrete opinion on it. Uh, but so I'm just going to go down the tight end line again, and I think it's Hayden Hurst. And I think everybody wants to be wrong on him because he is he's came into the league as an older prospect in what he's doing, and I'm pretty far down on him just because he's average kind of across the board. But there's a lot of – and I, didn't, I haven't watched a lot of film on him, and there are a lot of people that are very high on what he did. But I think based on all your arguments that you just made, Ryan, with talking about tight ends and everything like that, paired with just the low success factor of coming out in the NFL at this age and being a rookie and having to wait through that, uh, I am basically fully out on Hayden Hurst unless I could get him like maybe like the, the mid-third round of a rookie draft. Uh, and it is, you know, staying on rookie tight ends. But I just hope I'm wrong. I hope Hayden Hurst kind of breaks the mold a little bit in what we expect out of our rookies because we get so opinionated about this because he is old. He is an older prospect. And he doesn't have these like eye-popping metrics. But he... He was a professional baseball player, so clearly he's a really coordinated and good athlete overall. So I'm really hoping that he proves me wrong, uh, in my opinion, because I want I want there to be the I want there to be more analysis on what people are doing on the field versus just how fast they can run a 40 yard dash. You know what's interesting? If you take out since 2010, if you take out 
the, the let's take out the 2017 rookie class of so those four tight ends that went in the first round. Guess who's he? Guess who was drafted? Guess what? Three tight ends were drafted in the first round. That first round draft capital. Any ideas? And in 2010, who was drafted in the first round? Uh, before Gronk, before Jimmy Graham, before Aaron Hernandez. We I mean, talk about a tight end draft class, man. That 2010 t- tight end draft class was amazing. Any ideas? Uh, tra- uh, Travis Kelsey. No, he's drafted much later. Um, who, who the fantasy footballers um, who we we yes. gave a shout out to earlier? They they lead to him as as Big Gresh, I believe, Jermaine Gresham. Hmm. Then your other two guys <laughs> who, who you've heard of, um, you've got Tyler Eifert, who's flashed a little bit when he's been healthy, and you have Eric Ebron, who's had some success and, and has almost cracked the the tight end one um, bubble. He 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 did. Um, I, I think it was his second or third year. I'll have to look at my notes. Uh, if he hadn't gotten injured, he would have been a tight end one. So there aren't two. So it, it's not like there's this tremendous track record of tight ends that are drafted in the first round since 2010 either, which, which so that's another argument against Hayden Hurst and his age going into the league. You know, we know the older players that enter the league, they, they tend not to be successful and that Baltimore offense. It's, it's hard to be, too excited about it and there's mark andrews who you know might may compete and take away targets from him so yeah i i'm, I'm with you I, I there is there is some people that are talking him up but i'm not in love with hayden hurst trey you feel the same way? yeah i just want to be wrong because i want it to be more fun it would like, be a great story if hayden hurst blew up this year it would be a great story yeah I, i'm with you 100 percent cosign hi ryan here as I'm editing the show, I realized we talked about Julian Edelman, and uh, this is before we knew about the four-game suspension. So keep that in mind as you listen. But I just want to mention a guy that I've just been hearing a little bit of buzz build up for him. And it, it, I don't know, I don't want to say it bothers me, but when you've got veterans coming off of serious injuries and they're getting this, a lot of talk for their situation or whatever, I, I think it's important to, to kind of pump the brakes a little bit. And that has to do with Julian Edelman. Um, so he's coming off that torn ACL, right? So first of all, 20% of wide receivers and running backs um, never come back from torn ACLs, 20%. Let's say Edelman, we know he's a hard worker. Sounds like he's progressing well by the reports that we hear, if you, if you want to believe them. Um, he's doing well. Well, those that do come back among wide receivers and running backs, the studies show they lose about a third of their production. So what, what does that mean for a guy like Julian Edelman? Well, his, if he, he didn't play last year, so you look at the four years before that. In PPR leagues, he averaged 16.3 points per game the last four years he played. So let's say we take away um, even a, a quarter of that production. Um, you know, what is that? That's 12 um, points per game in PPR leagues. What is that? What is 12 points per game? That's a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three. I think that's his ceiling. Uh, in the, even in that Patriots offense, even being Brady's number one target. Assuming he even comes back for the start of the year because there's no guarantee he's going to be ready for game one. So I just think if you want to buy an older wide receiver, I think there are better investments you can make. I, I mean, I think there's some value into going out and, and getting a veteran wide receiver. But um, at Julian Edelman's age, I believe he's 32 years old, coming off that major injury. This reminds me a lot of Danny Woodhead last year, guys, where people were really hyping Danny Woodhead. It's like, oh, he's such a great value to get him late going to Baltimore. Uh, forget, the, forget his age and forget the fact he's coming back from injury. And, and what happened to Danny Woodhead? He, he basically was uh, pretty much irrelevant in fantasy. So uh, do you guys agree with that? Is, is, Dan, is Julian Edelman your number one? Um, and, and why I hope I'm wrong about him. Uh, those listeners, loyal listeners, know that my, I lived in Boston for about five years, the Boston area. So the Patriots are my number one AFC team. So I want to see them do well. 
And I just got picked him up in a, in, in the Konami league that we referred to last week at our salary cap league, even though I have these fears at this point in the draft, you got to get who you can. And I wanted a, a veteran and that's who, who made sense for me. So I'm taking a chance and rolling the dice, but aren't, aren't there other guys that are better values? Well, you missed a key fact about uh, you picked him up as your WR one in the Konami league right now. So far, there's still a lot of auction left to play out. Um, but yeah, that's the only wide receiver I have in my roster. I've got Gurley and Bell though. So <laughs> I just hope that those guys are overperform what they've done in the past. So um, if I'm going to be competitive. So what do you guys think? Like, is, is Edelman your number one veteran wide receiver to target? Is he the best value or would you rather go after Demarius Thomas or um, someone else? Yeah, I think Demar- Demar- Demarius Thomas for me and, and Larry Fitzgerald, even Pierre Garcon. I see all three of those guys as being um, – guys I would much rather pursue, even though I'm going to pay a little bit more for them. Um, if, if I'm looking to add a wide receiver to a dynasty roster to help solidify my chances to win a championship this year, you're, you're right. Edelman, I mean, he, he does have the, the goat, uh, Tom Brady throwing him the football. And they're actually currently, I think even right now, they're actually practicing in the bubble. <laughs> and uh, Tom Brady, uh, the news reports are that Tom Brady is throwing to Julian Edelman, even though he's not at these, uh, you know, uh, voluntary workouts. So I, I do think Edelman just seems like the kind of guy to me that can get it done. Um, even without, you know, you, you can take a little bit of his speed and agility away. And, and he's the kind of guy that I think just the rapport that he has, you, you can't, but, but people said the same thing about Jordy Nelson, the rapport that he had with Aaron Rodgers, And as, as he got older, that just kind of faded. So, I, I like your take, Ryan. I, I definitely those those three guys I mentioned are guys I'd much rather have. Even Emmanuel Sanders, honestly, in Denver, there I think is um, a guy I'd rather have than Julian Edelman. And and I hope I'm wrong because I love Edelman and I think that he is um, he's been a fun guy to own for for previous seasons where he's he's been healthy. Oh yeah, he, a lot of fun. I got to cheer for because he's you know this. This this little seemingly little dude, and, and he's he's makes makes these plays. You know, it's just he's he's fun to cheer for. Will, what about you? Yeah, it's veteran like, wide receivers. It's like the the dealer has a face card showing in blackjack, and you have a you have seventeen, and Julian Edelman hitting is like the chance of you not busting. He, basically, he's old. He's coming back from an injury. He's he's a lot of things stacked against him. It's going to be a very like the chances of him being good again are very very slim, in in my eyes. As far as like if they figure out that he's not as explosive as he used to be, people are just going to jam him at the line and he's not going to, he's going to be one of the guys that just kind of fades off into the distance. Yeah, for sure. 32 years old going into this year. We wish him the best of luck. We hope you're we're run about you, Julian Edelman. Can yeah, I tell you guys a quick story? It just is like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One of my first years getting back into fantasy, um, it was a redraft league and it was 2013. And I remember uh, taking Julian Edelman, in the I don't remember what round it was but I remember a couple guys were just scoffing and I was like no this guy's going to be Tom Brady's number one target and and that was a year that he had like over 100 catches and over a thousand yards and it it was crazy and and I ended up doing quite well in that league that year and I just it it was one of my first like little victories where I kind of liked a guy better because of the offenses that he was in and so you know there's just certain guys that always kind of have a special place and and that's that's my Edelman story. We all, we've all got an Edelman story. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Fantasy Joes. 
You can contact us directly at thefantasyjoes at gmail.com or at FFJoes on Twitter. Your feedback is welcome. We want to know how we're doing. Let us know what you want from us. You told us you didn't want us to sing anymore, so notice there's no singing on the show, at least not until the very end, maybe. Well, we come at you weekly on Mondays in the summer with new episodes, but be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. And leave us a review, but only if it's a positive one. You can find us on Twitter. Trey is at Trey Barrett. Will is at FantasyJoe underscore Will. And I'm at Rotor Librarian. On behalf of Trey Barrett and Will Greenwood, I'm Ryan Livergood, and we are the Fantasy Joes. Fantasy Joes.